Welcome to the Natural Lifestylist Podcast with me, your host, Tony Riddle. Well, happy new year, you beautiful beings of planet Earth. Now, let's just let's just take a moment to celebrate the fact that we all woke up today. Yep, let's inhale that for a moment. I am alive. You know, it's a huge privilege to be alive, people. So let's hand on heart agree to honour those that didn't wake up today by living this one wild and precious life with everything we've got. These are indeed strange times, so if you're feeling a little funky, out of routine, struggling to adjust the new social norm, remember that you're not alone, and that it's okay not to be okay. But also, please remember, no matter what the new norm, that new social norm, template, whatever it is, it is always best to reconnect with your natural norms and take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. And that is your health, well-being, lifestyle, and your environmental impact. Now, to help you navigate this strange new norm and to reconnect with ways of living that are more in sync with your natural norms, I've been busy building an online community called the NatLife Tribe. NatLife Tribe is a subscription-based service providing you with access to a growing community of natural beings who wish to improve their health, well-being, lifestyle and refine their human experience. We get together for weekly chats, weekly mobility and movement sessions and there's also free access to my online tutorials and discounted rates on workshops, retreats and brands that I collaborate with. To find out more and subscribe, just hit the links in the show notes. Now, I recorded this podcast, this conversation, way back in 2020. But then I dropped into Tony hyper-focused mofo mode for, for the crazy one-man, two-feet, three-peaks endurance event. And then I'm returning from the nut 17 marathons, three barefoot mountains in nine-day shenanigans... I hit a massive come down and had to go into save my own ass mode, which also involved the whole riddle tribe moving out of London and out into the country. So one could say I somewhat dropped the ball on this podcast. So apologies to the wonderful Abby and all those that have waited. But in keeping with my flow don't push philosophy, I dare say this will of course be just the right time to drop the mic. Now, there has been lots of talk recently on the new norm, but as far as I'm concerned, the only new norm we should be moving towards is actually the natural norm, which ain't that new, really, is it? And I have to thank Abby, um, because Abby, seriously, this conversation has certainly helped me better understand and articulate my message around the natural food norm. You see, it takes a huge amount of skill in our modern industrialized world, of convenience, let's say, to get our fundamental needs met. That's pretty inconvenient in this modern world. And I hope this conversation will help you refine your food filter and make that path or that journey a little easier to understand. But before we get going, here's a little intel on the wonderful Abby Rose. Abby Rose is the co-creator and co-host of Farnarama, a platform for the regenerative farming movement for them to share their voices. Abby is also the cow, cow, the cow, the cow funder, the co-funder of Vida Cycle Apps, where they create digital tools to build ecology, profitability, and beauty 
on farms around the world. Their tech tools are built to support a paradigm shift towards regenerative farming, where farmers are empowered through learning from their observations. Now, I really hope you enjoy this chat. I, I learned a hell of a lot from Abby, as I've said, and um, I feel, to be honest, I feel like it's just a teaser. It's just the start, and, and, and I hope I get to do this again. Um, in, enjoy the conversation, peeps. So we're rolling, Abby. So welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast. Great to have you on here. This is, I mean, this has been in the making. There was a <laughs> couple that didn't quite make it, but you know, we're all, we're in lockdown right now. What do we expect? It's like, totally. uh, oh, we're, just, we're breaking free of it, should we say? Um, yes. Stepping into something new, hopefully something new, hopefully mm-hmm. the old paradigm. Um, mm-hmm. So Abby, um, so happy you're on. Um, yeah, total thanks. pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining the pod. Um, so I know Abby Rose, and of course I've done my research on Abby Rose. But for those for those that don't know, I mean, how, how do you, I mean it's a bit bit of a unique path, really, which is interesting to say unique path considering it <laughs> was the norm, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's a unique path. So um, <laughs> Abby, I guess for the listeners, just a little bit of backstory. How do we get to this unique path and this sure sphere that you're operating in now? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the farming sphere, which I agree today seems sort of unusual or unique, but back in the day or not that long ago would have been more the norm. Um, so, and just to be clear, I have to say, I didn't start my life being interested in farming by any means, certainly for the first 20 odd years of my life. I yeah, kind but, that's, of, that's, but that's great, Abby. We definitely want that. We definitely want that backstory. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I embarrassingly kind of thought farming was a bit boring and backwards mm. um, and just something that really wasn't part of our futures. Um, right. And I even, you know, I grew up in Manchester or in the outskirts of Manchester on the edge of the Pennines. And so I grew up surrounded by farmland. And I, I just remember thinking like, why do people have these cows and sheep? And it just seems so <laughs> like monotonous and, and not interesting. Um, and yeah, now I just, <laughs> I'm fascinated by those fields, but how did I, you know, why that transformation? Um, and really it, it all started when my parents um, actually moved they actually moved from Cheshire to uh, Chile and, okay. and started farming there. Um, and so just to be clear, they're originally from California. So they moved to a part of the world which had a very similar climate to California. I'm but, so pleased you said that, Abby, because I was trying, I was trying, trying <laughs> to get the, get the accent. And it was like, what, Manchester? I've never heard anyone from Manchester with this accent before. Totally, yeah. Oh. It's very confusing. But yeah, it's a decoy. I am actually totally British, born and bred. Um, I've never lived anywhere else officially. So, um, yeah, so my parents moved to Chile um, and, you know, they had, the, why did they move to Chile and start farming? It's, they had actually, you know, I've been eating organic food my whole life. It had always been a priority for them. Um, and I think they came to the realization before me that, you know, where does the organic food come from? It comes from food, from farms and from the soil. And that to really get to the root of health and quality of life, um, that farming, you, you know, going into farming is at the root of that. And so that was really their journey and, and why they were excited about being back, being on the land. Um, and so, yeah, I started to go visit the farm. Um, our farm is called Vida Cycle. So like life cycle, but the first half in Spanish. Oh, nice. um, yeah. And it's 
all, you know, we have olives and almonds and pistachios um, and we graze sheep in between the trees. And we also have loads of fruits and nuts, uh, sorry, fruits and vegetables um, that we kind of sell locally uh, in the local farming market. And then we also make uh, a natural wine and a verju, which is verju is like lemon juice, but made from green grapes. Um, okay. And, yeah, and we sell both of those in the UK. I think I saw um, a bottle of that sneaking into um, Fran Bailey's um, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. She's sort of become obsessed by it now. It's The natural wine world is one of those things that, I mean, I wasn't even into wine before, um, but when you get into natural wine, you sort of, it's a bit like, I don't know, the, you know, the more you un get into the flavors, it, it sort of becomes addictive. But anyway, that's a whole other story. No, I think um, we will go, I think we'll unpack that a bit later because I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I have a friend that, has a vineyard and, they, and he went biodynamic basically mm, um, cool. in that in that process it'd be good to tap into a little bit of that later yeah definitely absolutely. yeah well I think that's something I should say is that our farm in Chile we uh say we're like beyond organic or or regenerative um yeah. and so we're regenerative farming and that's really farming uh by observing the natural processes around us and working with them uh, rather than trying to control them. Um, yeah. yeah, so I have to say farming is also, you know, it it's, can seem all like nice and fluffy, but it's also extremely challenging. Um, and one of the realizations, and one of the reasons I guess that I really started to kind of commit my whole life to farming and to sharing the voices of the farming community and, and getting people more involved in farming is that it's incredibly challenging like uh in 2017 we there were super fires in chile similar to the ones that have been happening in australia and in california in the last few years oh, wow. um, okay. and our whole farm burned i was there at the time uh yeah and so a lot you everything was gone even our water systems <laughs> you know they all just went up in flames and dissolved so um we to be yeah the buildings were saved was the only thing. The local fire people saved the buildings. Um, but, yeah. you know, in those moments, you, you kind of have to reassess and you just realize what a risky undertaking farming is. Um, yeah. and, and that farmers really are on the, the front line of the climate crisis. Well, it's also all in, isn't it? It's like an mm -hmm. all in approach, especially in this instance where you could lose literally everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And, yeah, so I think being on the front line of the climate crisis, you do start to uh, rethink your practices and how you're doing everything. And now, you know, it was only since that fire that I was able to convince my dad to get sheep on the farm. Um, and so we use the sheep to graze uh, and to, to build soil health on the farm, really, in order to have more water and moisture on the farm for longer uh, through mm. the season. But yeah, so, so yeah, so it was realizing that farmers are the key decision makers of our future. Um, you know, if what they, the way we decide to farm on our land actually impacts everyone around us and potentially everyone on the globe um, in terms of, you know, the way we graze those sheep can affect how much carbon is sequestered in the soil. Yeah. Um, and that's and like so, that conversation around holistic management and moving. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, we can dig into that in a bit. Absolutely. Um, 
And through all of that, I became quite obsessed with the soil and I have a background in physics. So I started making apps um, initially for our farm um, to help us monitor our soil and also to monitor our trees. Um, and that's actually what I spend most of my time doing these days. Um, I only spend two months of the year on the farm in Chile um, and the rest of the year I'm based in the UK. Uh, and we, yeah, I work with many farmers across the UK and the US. Um, and we're, yeah, one of our apps is called Soil Mentor. And it's, it's really all about uh, empowering farmers, returning agency to the farm um, and allowing them to go and observe their soils and then learn from those observations. Um, and then go and experiment, see how they can build soil health and then come back and see what's changed in the soil. I so, love that. Do you know what it feels like to me, Abby? It's almost like a conversation between, you know, imagine we had that, we had a wild period, right? So we're like sapiens yeah. and then we move in migrating to farming. So there would have been a, a almost a pre-agricultural, then agricultural nature mm -hmm. where there was that information about the soil. People understood the soil, let's say, because they were still totally. part of it. Mm -hmm. and whereas now the interesting thing is we can as you're saying we can now use tech to step in as that wild human almost to assess what's mm -hmm. happening with the soil mm -hmm. Agreed. and to plant the wisdom in that way because they were like wisdom yeah. keepers right around the land yep. and the soil and how to find water and what was fertile and, yeah okay brilliant Love totally. yeah 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 no it's all about that it's all about yeah reconnecting and and the power of observation to to build wisdom essentially um and and allowing technology to support you in that um so yeah i think and we also make apps for vineyards and for for agroforestry or trees um and all of our apps focus on observation um and building that wisdom for yourself and and on that piece of you know specifically your land um yes. not not just in the general abstract what is good farming but what is good farming on this specific piece of land because it is different for every single case um, yeah and i guess what else goes into that individual case the soil is everything isn't it it's like the farmer's mm -hmm. dna their emotions everything and that's mm -hmm. why it's such a yeah an individual effort in that sense absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah and and so i guess the final thing to say is that the other part of that evolution was realizing also that farmers you know when you're farming you're so remote and removed from other farmers <laughs> um and and so knowledge sharing is actually quite difficult mm. um and so on that journey as i kind of became more immersed in the uk farming community i really realized that people were already doing amazing work but it just wasn't being shared and heard that well um, and so I had some experience in podcasting, uh, tech for good, uh, creating podcasts about technology for good. And so okay. I worked together with, um, the podcast editor, Joe, and we created Farmerama Radio, um, oh, wow. which, which is really a community led initiative to share the voices of the farmers doing things differently and of the people who are behind this regenerative farming movement. Uh, you know, what experiments are they doing? What ideas do they have? Um, and it's just seeding the idea in other farmers' heads of like, ooh, I could try that. Or, oh, they've already tried that and that didn't work. Okay, let's not do that. Um, yes, so it's all sharing all of that. And what's I didn't expect, but what's happened is that actually we get a lot of people tuning in who are not farmers at all, but they're interested in farming or they're interested in food or 
like, you know, interested in rewilding themselves. And so they want to understand what is behind all of this and what are people talking about and thinking about who are the people who are actually interacting with the land. Um, so yeah, Farmerama Radio is, it's really exciting. And um, I'd say it sounds amazing because it's, again, yeah. it's built, it, as you say, it's building that community, but that community then outstretches just farming. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, because yeah. if we really went down the rabbit hole, I mean, everyone should be, have their concerns in this, right? As we're going to open exactly. the conversation, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think our latest, uh, we did a six-part series called Serial, with a C, so C-E-R-E-A-L. Um, okay. And that was all about the food system, food and farming system, particularly in the UK, but it was through the lens of bread. So, you know, bread is something that everyone can identify with. Um, and, you know, a lot of people choose to be gluten-free or have a somewhat a difficult relationship with bread, certainly in today. Yeah. Um, and so what the series is about is about, you know, what is behind this, like, change in health status of bread for humans and, and what, and we go back to the breeding of the grains and also how people are farming it and how it's being milled and baked. And at every stage, there are it just becomes very clear why, you know, how our bread system has actually become really skewed away from nourishing human beings. Yes, how it's compromised. Yeah, totally compromised yeah. and is compromising the land and humans. Um, and so, you know, those are the kind of stories that actually everyone can listen to and learn something from and get on board with. So that's, that's certainly been popular. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess, you know, it stretches way beyond that, doesn't it? With, with the soil and just, I mean, gluten is a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big one now, isn't it? But I mean, we're, we're talking about almost anything that's grown in the soil and what's, it's, it's, it's bizarre really, isn't it? Cause we know that, um, you know, this is a regenerative conversation. As we've said, it goes all this goes all the way back to wild humans and wild humans understanding the earth and then through agriculture. Mm -hmm. But yet, it seems like a very new conversation, you know? And it reminds mm -hmm. me of um, where we were with microbiome. And let's say that's like a 10-year exposure now to that, that conversation being around the table. Mm -hmm. um, what, I mean, why is it? Why is it only now, Abby? Why is it now that we seem to be hearing about it? I mean, partly, yeah. I mean, guess, guess you've already answered that in some of the work you're doing, which helps grow the community, but... Yeah. Why not? Why not earlier? Is it? Is, yeah, it yeah. Because, <laughs> is it because of the allergies? Is it because of, you know? It's just. It's, I just find it interesting that again, it's a rewilding. It's like rewilding that we only now hear about rewilding. You know, and really, totally. it's just when you understand it and you're in it, it's always surprising because it's such common sense. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. It is regenerative farming in a way is common sense, but um, the reason I think. In a way, I think the serial series does actually lay this out very clearly. Like, I, I just think that we've come to the end of a certain type of logic of mm. how the world works. Um, so, you know, everyone literally just five years ago uh, in the farming community, it was, at, you know, everyone was talking about the only way to build a farming business and to be forward thinking was to scale up. Um, you know, and if you weren't, looking for economies of scale in your business, um, then you weren't going to survive as a farm going forward. Um, and, and nowadays that, that conversation has just disappeared. 
I mean, right. not for everyone, but literally within this five to seven year time frame, it's it's gone. Um, and so I think, you know, what happened? It, the thing with farming is it's so linked to everything. So uh, you know, globally, the markets um, for like wheat prices, for example, crashed. I think it was in 2013, and they've never come back up again. So many farmers today are, you know, you see all these fields of wheat around the UK, mm-hmm. but those fields of wheat, they're actually spending more to grow that wheat than they can make selling it. So they're, they're you know, growing wheat at a loss. Um, and so it's imagine just, how demoralizing that is. That exactly. Process. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, and that's not uncommon across many different food types. Um, and then um then there's also the policy change that's coming so with brexit and leaving the eu that means that in a way it's a great opportunity in the farming world because we are able to suddenly decide how um subsidies are dealt out to the farming community um and you know that the government's thinking about that right now and in some ways it's looking good. They're talking about public money for public goods and supporting more environmental, environmentally sound farming. Okay. Um, but like, I guess you can see from a farmer's perspective, suddenly they're in a very unknown position and they really don't know how they're gonna get their income going forward. Cause you know, uh, 60% of income on UK farms is from subsidies. It's crazy, isn't it? And you know, again, this it's like, why don't we know about that? Why isn't that mainstream yeah. press? Because we're all impacted by that. Totally. It's, it is like, it's a really bleak. <laughs> it's it, always. It it's flabbergasting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I guess what I'm saying is like, it's really reached a low point. Um, and I don't think it can go much lower. And so all of that thinking, the paradigm, the mindset before that was about like um, yields. yields and scale and productivity, not profitability. Um, and we were just all, you know, subsidies were kind of covering it all up in a way you could say, mm. you know, that's coming to an end. And so people are, and farmers are thinking differently. They're asking different questions. And what's amazing is just at that time, the regenerative farming movement is really gaining ground. Um, in the United States as well. So yeah, United States, Australia, New Zealand, it's, it's gaining ground traction everywhere. Um, and so that's really exciting because it's come kind of at the right time in the UK. Um, and so, so many farmers are asking questions about how can I be more regenerative in my approach or how can I build soil health and biodiversity on my farm? Yeah, and is there, is there a... Is there a template for that? I mean, how do we understand? I mean, if I look at a human being and I want to find natural ways of living, you know, I have to go to the, the wild tribes of today, or at least tribes that are still connected with a natural way of living to understand what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And so what's the, how, how, what's the template? What's the template for soil? I know you said it's, it's almost individual perf- with, with each farm, but how, mm-hmm. how do you get to that? What is the original template and how do we? Mm. Yeah, I think. Is, is there a, you know, how, how do we get there? I think is the conversation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. I think, well, in a way you could say that farming is inherently 
it it's it's an intervention <laughs> mm. right um so inherently in a way maybe there is no natural template for farming um because it's always a balance between the human interference and the natural world um and and you know we're looking to uh produce um at a, a larger scale or with more efficiency you could say um or maybe that's not the right word but we're trying to feed more people off a piece of land than than the natural world might do yeah. of its own accord basically yeah. or we yeah i mean obviously you grow in the rainforest and probably there is a huge density of nutrition um so we but not everywhere is rainforest <laughs> um but i would say that if i was to look at a template for what could a really healthy soil look like um we would look to the native forests um yeah, okay. in the uk um because okay. you know when you go into a forest and you can like it just it like smells of this like amazing um i don't know probably people just think it's like earthy mm. um like an earthy sweetness or certainly if you touch if you pick up the soil it does <laughs> maybe not yeah. everyone's done that um but and that is like there's uh, lots of fungi in that soil essentially and and the soil it you know it's really squishy underfoot mm. um you know when the soil feels soft and um and you could just put your hand in and and dig soil out and there's no there's no resistance you don't certainly don't need like a serious spade to get into that soil yeah um so it's really amazing and i think that the, the template somewhat is that um but on the other hand you know if you wanted to grow if you want to grow wheat uh you can't have forest soils it's it's not going to work um so yeah i think it really is okay so the soil the soils are literally crop specific then in that sense yeah to a certain extent yes yeah. because if if you think about um i think wow, this is really sophisticated <laughs> isn't it then you have to well, okay wow i mean imagine that it's having a template well, it's it's about like bacteria and fungi in the soil basically and that yeah. you find in a wheat based in a wheat soil where wheat has been grown year in year out there's a lot more bacteria the bacterial ratio is higher whereas if you go into a forest there's a lot more fungi in the soil so yeah it's like every single plant is in communication and in relationship with this microbial life that's below wow. ground and so whatever plants you have in the soil is going to affect the microbial life below ground in exactly the same way that whatever you eat is going to affect the microbiome in your gut like what bacteria show up in your gut is yeah. affected by what you eat essentially yes. or that's my understanding You're and then that's a byproduct of what's grown so it's yeah, the soil totally. the food the food the microbiome yeah that's, that's a question of complete diversity isn't it totally yeah so i think that is if so if I and, was the more, and the more diverse the species it's suggested, the more, you know, the, the heightened the emotional well-being of the humans. That must be the same for, well, the whole, it's the whole ecosystem then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you're so right. <laughs> so that's exactly what it is. If I was to say there's any template or anything that we're like working towards at all times, it's increased diversity. Mm. Like the more you can increase the diversity, 
um, the more your resilient your whole farming system will be. Um, yes. And if we do look into the, the natural environments, look, you know, the diversity levels are insane generally. Yeah. Yeah. And so species diversity on, ev on every level. Yes. Every yeah. level. Yeah. So if yeah, we were yeah, just exactly. so if we discuss that, so then then if we think about well, monocropping is like the complete opposite of diversity, then isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> so so even with so with so with wheat production, so if we're say how many years are you saying that we keep producing wheat in one particular field, and that the soil specific for the wheat, is that part of the problem why we're also seeing, um, you know issues with gluten intolerances that come through through wheat is it because possibly that the the wheat that's being grown which is still a monocrop in that sense is it is it still mm. yeah oh they yeah keep taking the same nutrients from the soil the whole time so then the soil ends up depleted um of anything else exactly yeah so yeah. okay so yeah how would, so how do, so how do we sorry abby so how do they then recycle the wheat if it's if it's always grown in in the same soil Oh, would they? So, for people who do grow wheat year in year out, which that's yeah. impossible to do organically, but uh, you can do that chemically. Um, okay. You just apply nitrogen, uh, right. potassium, phosphate, year in year out. And what's interesting is that when you see those plants and you look at their roots, they have almost no relationship to the soil. Wow. So the soil is just a substrate in that situation. And that's, that's where you start to like come up with this idea of dirt, right? Yeah. Because it is just, it's literally just a material that helps hold the plant upright, basically. There is no communication um, going, or there's very, very thwarted communication going on between the soil and the plant. And there's hardly any microbes in there. And, actually what happens is that you get this overpopulation of a certain microbe that then becomes a pathogen essentially and that's why you then have to use more fungicides or uh, you know different things to try and kill the pathogens oh and then and yeah and then we go deeper and then you consume that and then what's that mm -hmm. doing then to that diversity of your gut i mean it's exactly like incredible <laughs> yeah you and know, I so think, if you if yeah. you had a diet based on well, the, the terrifying thing is the breads and the pastas and that, 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 were, that was your nutrients. And you were, the expectation was you were going to gain what you would have gained 4,000 years ago, 5,000 mm -hmm. years ago. Or let's mm -hmm. even just think of um, let food be thy medicine. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not let food be thy medicine. It's let soil be thy medicine in totally. this conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the soil. Um, and maybe, maybe I should talk a little bit, I don't know, how much do you want to go into, like, what, uh, just so people can get a picture of this soil in their minds. Yeah, um, yeah, please. Let's, yeah? I could tell you better. So Let's, so, let's dig a bit deeper in the soil. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do Love it. Love this. Um, so, yeah, the way I think about soil is that it's, it's basically, it's a living organism. It's a living web. And yeah. so in one handful of healthy soil, there are more microbes than there are humans on the planet. So it really is a heck of a lot of life going on in there. And um, yeah, so you can imagine there's all these different microbes, bacteria, fungi, and, and they're all in communication. And, and yeah. so what happens with a plant is that the plant is photosynthesizing and it's making sugars yeah. and plants put about, or it's been shown that they can put about 30 to 40% of their sugars down into their roots. 
and it's it's really at the root that you can imagine the root is like the conversation uh or communication it's it's like the communication um i don't know film basically and that is so it's that point that the plant will put out or it has a little bit of sugar and it'll put out a little message and say i need um i need a bit of phosphate um, oh, wow. you, sorry, Abby, Abby, this really reminds me of bread. Just want to just want to go off on a tangent just quickly. It really reminds go. me of bread, breast milk because yeah, I read something. Someone posted something. I was a friend of mine um, posted something about we're going to be creating going to be creating lab breast milk, laboratory breast yeah. milk. And I read one of the comments. This woman, she was spot on. She just said <clears throat> the difference is that the baby. No, the, the communication is between the baby and the mother <clears throat> as to what is needed in the milk. And the baby receives exactly what it needs through the milk mm -hmm. at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And this is that same, it's exactly it's the same conversation that the plant is make, having that communication to the soil through the sugar you're saying to then say, this is what I need for growth. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, yeah, I think it puts out little like is other the messages essentially at that point, and yeah. the sugar is kind of the um, the reward for yeah. the bacteria and fungi that bring the what it needs to it. <laughs> that is just mind blowing. Honestly, yeah. I, I could stop you there. It's just yeah. like I'm done with that. Oh wow! Yeah. And it's amazing, and and so that little communication framework that's going on below the earth, like. It, that is what allows plants to thrive. Um, and so when you start messing about with that, that's when you can get in trouble essentially. And, and actually like the fungi, I mean, their network is so extensive. It extends for miles around. So one plant could be connected to another plant that's like over a mile away by the fungal network. Um, so I call it the internet of fungi essentially. You just imagine the internet that we, as we understand it, that is happening yeah, yeah. below ground in fungal, uh, through fungal hyphae and connections. And so that's transporting like water. But um, with a far diverse and... Totally. Population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's mental. It's, yeah, it's so exciting. Way, way beyond what we could imagine in numbers, right? Exactly, exactly. And so I think, you know, once you start to understand that kind of communication framework and you start to see soil as essentially a mass, a mass of communications and a way to bring a plant whatever it needs um mm. then like soil becomes essentially the most important thing on a farm because that is the communication framework um that is where nourishment comes from and and yeah so yeah that's why i'm obsessed with soil health basically and and not only that like what you know nature isn't too it like always has multiple advantages so mm. soil is actually like when it's formed biologically and when all these microbes are doing all the work, they build soil structure that allows for um, oxygen to get through anywhere in the soil. Um, and it also allows for water to be stored. Huge amounts of water can be stored in a healthy soil. Yeah. So like, for example, a lot of the flooding in the UK, you know, more and more papers are showing that it's attributed to a reduction in soil health and the, a reduced capacity for the soil to hold water. So it's the degradation, it's impacted. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So soil is kind of.
kind of an amazing, amazing organism. In the same way, I think, you know, people talk about the soil biome. Yeah. It's almost identical in that, you know, we've really learned so much more about the microbiome in our guts um, and just how complex that is and how many different things that affects that we just had no idea, essentially. Well, yeah, because we're, yeah, it, you know, that report on the guy, I think he lives with a Hadza, doesn't he? He goes to stay with a Hadza and, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> he starts reading his microbiome and he gets his microbiome up to the level of the tribe mm-hmm. um, in a window of time. <clears throat> and that's everything from the soil, everything in their environment has fed mm-hmm. that microbiome. It's not like it's taking probiotics. It's just being in the yeah. environment and eating yeah. what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always put the conversation around, well, you've got to eat more fiber. You eat more greens and you eat more of this. And then that feeds the microbiome. Well, actually, mm-hmm. no, because if you're feeding on greens, <clears throat> the fiber, but really it's the plant matter that's fed on the real diverse soil that's going to get you to a state where you can fully rewild the gut. Agreed. Rewilding the land, rewilding the plant, rewilding the gut, rewilding the human. It's kind of that whole, again, it's a, it's a whole system, isn't it? Totally, but it, yeah. But at its roots is this, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, oh, it's huge, Abby, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it is. And I think, um, you know, in the same way that there are like principles of, or like you think about how to rewild yourself, you know, farmers are thinking about how to, I mean, it's called regenerative, but how, you know, what are the practices they can do that build this on their farms? And, um, you know, they're introducing animals. Um, They're making sure the soil's always covered. Um, You want to make sure there's always a living root in your soil. Um, and, And diversity is key. You know, in this messaging system, if all of the plants are putting out the message for exactly the same nutrient at exactly the same time, then you're going to get this monoculture of bacteria below ground mm. as well. Yeah. And, and that, as we've seen so many times, you know, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work if, if you're asking uh, for the same, you know, every single plant in the field is asking for exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. Okay, so Abby, I'm a, I'm a farmer, right? So I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. farmer and, and, I, and I've been monocropping. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, the, what's the process for me? I mean, what's... What's, what does it entail? I want to get back to, I regenerate the soil. I want to become, I want to rewild the land. Mm-hmm. Um, what's yeah. the, what's, what's, is there a step here? What, what, what's the first step for the farmer? What do they need to consider? Well, I mean, I know it's every, massive. There's probably like yeah, a three yeah, hour, conference, a three hour question that one. Totally. There's different types of farms and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I do think that the first thing to do is actually maybe to just go and take a look at your soils. So to dig some holes mm. and, and using that understanding of how the soil works to go and look for evidence of how alive your soil is. Um, and actually on our website, we have a totally free protocol, uh, set of protocols of different ways that you can look and learn to see how alive your soil is. Um, so they, yeah, uh, I think that's a starting place. The other thing is, um it's also about kind of a mindset shift essentially so Mm. it's starting to i think you know the best thing farmers can do is they go and they uh engage with different regenerative farming groups around the uk and you know going and like there's a farmer called fred price in somerset 
and he's transitioned his farm over the last eight years. Okay. Um, and actually the first thing he did, he was a, a, like a conventional arable farmer. So going, growing all grains, um, mm. using inputs and, and he was achieving really high yields. Um, but his farm financially was looking atrocious. Um, so he started to reduce nitrogen inputs essentially. Um, and that was really the start of his journey was starting to reduce the chemical inputs that he was using. Okay. And then the, the soil automatically started to improve. Um, and then he started putting in what they call cover crops, um, which is essentially like a, a biodiverse mix of different crops um, that he was putting in between his wheat, for example. And so that was allowing the soil to recover a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and it, it took eight years. He also, as part of that, introduced pigs onto the farm. He's you know, one of the best pig farmers I've ever seen. All of the pigs live outside all of the time and they graze on pasture and they're moved regularly. Um, and they live in the woodlands in the winter. Uh, and it, yeah, it's an amazing system. Um, and I, yeah, and his pork is, it's just like nothing else you've ever tasted. It, you, you know you're eating nourishment. <laughs> And again, it's yeah, it's understanding that it, it's a it's a whole system. It is a system, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't that interested in farming animals, but he knew that he couldn't shift his system to being regenerative if he didn't have those animals, the the pigs in there eating some of the the cover crops. So you know, when the fields weren't be used being used for wheat production, for example, mm. um, he needed to have a way of being able to, you know, essentially make money from the other fields um, whilst also building up the nutrient level in that soil so that he could then grow a wheat crop again uh, further down the line, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, um, it, yeah, it's an unfolding journey. And, and people talk about it as the regenerative journey. <laughs> yeah, you can understand that. I mean, what about the, what, is, what, what about, so this, what's his name again? So Price? Fred, Fred Price. At Fred Price. Farm. So does Fred Price, I mean, I mean, does he mention about his own, I mean, emotional health and well-being within it? Because, you know, the bigger picture again is, you know, it's, for, it's always about the good for the human, good for the environment as far as I'm concerned. And so, are the farmers coming forward and saying with that regenerative process, they're making more of a connection to the earth. Is their emotional well-being improving through this process? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that surprises them all the most. <laughs> great, um, great to hear that. Is, um, yeah, so uh, another, another farmer who also has transitioned recently, like uh, uh, Fred and the other farmer um, were in conversation and they both said that suddenly they're able to feel joy in their farming experience. Um, mm. And on a day-to-day -day basis, they actually are able to sometimes like, for example, take a holiday um, and they don't, you know, they're able to feel good about what they're doing and, I think, well, I think there's, I think actually Gabe Brown, who's kind of like one of the 
uh, you know, he was sort of the figurehead, or is sort of the figurehead of the regenerative farming movement in the United States. Um, and he wrote a, a book called Dirt to Soil, which does really talk about the regenerative transition for farmers. Um, and he's, the way he describes it is that he wakes up every morning now, um, and he used to, sorry, he used to wake up every morning and think about what am I going to kill today? Now he wakes up every morning and thinks, what can I help flourish today? Wow. And I think, you know, just imagine waking up every morning and thinking, what are you going to kill today? Like, that's not a very positive mindset. <laughs> um, so, yeah, multiple farmers have told me it's completely shifted their mental health. And I think that, you know, there are incredibly high suicide rates in the farming community. Mm. Um, and I do think that that's one thing I always try and emphasize to people who aren't in the farming community is that this really isn't about making farmers wrong um, for what they're doing. Like, I think it's very much a systemic societal issue as opposed to individual farmers making bad decisions. Um, you know, farmers are just, we're, they're being their businesses. So they're just following where the market is taking them. Yeah. And they're just doing their best. Um, and sometimes that ends up in kind of a system that they don't even like, but that's the business they're in and there's not much that they can do about it. And they're maintaining debts and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, on it's all pretty, of us in a way. Well, it's pretty fair to say that it's, you know, it's the, in order for farmers to fully implement it, or the, I guess the regenerative processes and practices, mm -hmm. um, well, they need the consumer's um, support, mm -hmm. right? That's one level, isn't it? Absolutely. But also then we've got to look at fair trade, right? And everything else that mm -hmm. comes through that process. Mm -hmm. So that's the support of the consumer, but then outside that, at government level, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that, that's where it's at. I mean, a lot of yeah. these farmers, we're looking, I mean, it's inherited generation to generation to generation, isn't it? A lot of them, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and So the fears yeah. and everything else that comes with that can be inherited. So if your fear is the finances and the yields and everything else in that language, it's almost like learning how to deconstruct that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think... Uh, you know, for a lot of farmers are carrying a lot of debt as well, and I do think that's a real trap because farm, farm machines, are, yeah, farm machines are like a hundred thousand, you know, it can be a hundred thousand pounds, and then you're you're paying off those debts over many many years. So if you've bought a machine that works for a chem chemical system, <laughs> to just you know, how are you going to keep uh, servicing those debts, and you've still got that machine, and you're going to shift to this new system? Like it doesn't, yeah. doesn't just make sense immediately. So there, there are a lot of barriers to change in farming <clears throat> and, and, you know, we need to acknowledge those. It's not, for, for us, you know, eaters, it's kind of easy to just walk into the supermarket and uh, say, oh, do I want organic or not? You know, it's such a simple decision. Um, yeah. But it's really not that simple for farmers. And I, yeah, we, that, that's something that I learned like kind of the hard way coming into the farming system, sort of naively and thinking like, well, why isn't everyone organic? Um, and then it's slowly dawning on me as I visited more farms and I just realized what a huge struggle it is 
to to achieve that in in the current market climate and with the current policies in place and just it's just not easy basically um so yeah we really can't i i would never blame or judge a farmer for how they farm basically and i think well, that's quite it's, important because it's a journey isn't it and even if you know perhaps farmer of 50 years of age maybe you know he might not get it in this lifetime but the next generation that inherit might do you yeah know? Totally. it's a journey isn't it totally. you gotta have compassion for that really i mean because we all go through it. it's like if we buy any anything i could be a sustainable brand I'm, I'm designing something at the moment we were just having a conversation about um transparency and sustainable materials you know mm -hmm. going all the way through the conversation and then you realize that it's it's such an expensive process and that has mm -hmm. to reflect in the price of the mm -hmm. end product right so if you mm -hmm. what's the biggest complaint around organic food and produce mm -hmm. oh it's more expensive it's this it's this but we we have but we have to support it that's the thing mm -hmm. without totally. that support what does the farmer do you know totally yeah yeah and i think oh, yeah the cost of food is a, is a massive conversation and where i've kind of got to on it is that to me it's it's really awful um, and it's not okay that we think people who have less money deserve food that has lower nutritional value. Like that, that this idea, you know, that everyone needs cheap food, that that's actually really awful. Well, that's that, been normalized. Yeah. It's been normalized to think that it's okay. We can fob off people who don't have enough money with just like basically nutritionless food that's fine. We'll just give them calories and they'll carry on. Um, and, and I think that that we need to question that <laughs> that's not okay. Like, well, it's well, not okay from yeah. start to finish, is it? Because it compromises the human at the end, mm -hmm. you know, compromises the soil because we're producing mm -hmm. it again in compromised soil, but because it's perceived as so cheap to do that, to offer that process and then crippling the farmer and his finances in between. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, it's just, it really doesn't work <laughs> um, in so many ways. So I think, I think we really need to start thinking about, you know, accessibility to food, mm. um, as opposed to cheap food. And then, you know, starting a conversation from there, ensuring uh, food is accessible and high, you know, nutritious food is accessible to all is really important. Um, and it's just that's a slightly different conversation essentially i think in the again in the serial series we kind of went into that because that was one of the things that actually inspired us to make it was when we yeah. learned that flour today you know like normal plain flour yeah. um has like officially got almost zero nutritional value to it <laughs> and so much so that the government requires that you add nutrients to that flour before you sell it so what are we doing I don't know why. Yeah. Fortifying flour. Like that is the norm. We add nutrients back in and then sell it. And that's required by law. So somehow we got from a, a food substance that we then took, made sure it had zero nutritional value. And then we put some stuff back in and sold that to people. I just think that is mental. <laughs> well, it's just how a did, level of, how it's, did that happen? It's, it's just, uh, it's just this huge level of disconnection, isn't it? Yeah. It really you know, is. It's total yeah. disconnection from, from any kind of ecosystem. 
absolutely it's, it's very it's alarming isn't it you know yeah. you know we experience it i mean you, you you've been around it but i guess you know if i'm out in nature and i'm i'm in the in on the heath let's just call it the heath right and the heath near us mm-hmm. and you have this like 20 minutes out there and the recommend you know recommended 20 minutes will lower heart rate blood pressure um cortisol just that alone just 20 minutes in that environment mm-hmm. um and that's that helps reconnect to self, doesn't it? Do you do you do you think there's like a connection between our farming practices um, and our dis- and disconnections of the land and ourselves, like the disconnection to self? So not just do you think we could, we sh- we should be more people should be involved with farming? In other words, do you think that Mr. Riddle here can? Sh- should be invited into the farm to see the practices to make more of a connection to it more of a connection to the earth the food supply um mm-hmm. do you get where i'm going there Abby? yeah absolutely yeah, yeah yeah got it i think interestingly um particularly thinking about the social justice uh, and racial justice movement um there's a, a lady called leah penniman um she wrote a book called farming while black and one of the things that she says that, and I've heard this again and again, particularly um, from black people, is that like starting to farm and garden themselves brought this whole new sense of self that they just had never experienced in their lives, basically. Um, it's like it, it gives you a confidence that isn't accessible elsewhere. Um, it, it is like, and, and so it's not just black people I've heard that from. Of course, I've also heard, you know, there's many other yeah, yeah. people. But I just thought that was really interesting because, of course, you know, the, the racial experience is even more disconnecting. Um, and so it was, inter- you know, valuable to hear how, how much that impacted their lives and their sense of self. Um, and so I do think that, yes, Mr. Riddle, going to a farm, um, I think it's not just about seeing it, but it's actually about doing it. Being part of the process. Being, yeah, being, but I think, I really think you can gain that just from your garden. If you're okay. able to grow things yourself, I think that you can engage with this whole soil process, like just in a garden or even, it's, it's harder to do in a pot of soil because obviously you're disconnected from the, the fungal network um, mm. when you're in a pot. Um, but if you are able to access uh, land that has soil in it, um, then you can quite quickly connect with this whole life underground and you can start to work with it and sort of do a dance, a gardening dance um, and play with biodiversity and growing different um, vegetables amongst flowers and grasses um, and just experience what it is that this whole other world is about. And I, I think that for me, certainly, you know, I'm not on the farm for 10 months of the year. It is that experience that allows for that reconnecting with, like, with myself, essentially. Yeah. And like, what does it mean to be a human being? Um, what does it mean to create beauty in the world, to, to create nourishment, um, and to reconnect with what life is all about, you know, to reconnect with being alive, essentially. Lovely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
Well, we, yeah, again, because understanding one ecosystem, not being separate of it. Mm-hmm. It's that conversation of, um, what do I say? It's like reconnecting, reconnecting from the ego system and reconnecting to the ecosystem. Totally. Yeah. You know, it is that, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It's humble. And like just, well. a sim- and just a simple act. I'm, I'm always amazed. I, t- I um, took a group out on the Heath on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, pre, actually, pre um, Corona days, mm-hmm. um, I took a large group out and it was raining. It was like really hammering down. It was just it was mud puddles everywhere. And, and I had people just standing in a circle and we breathed together. And then, and then it turned into like, working head to head and then they were just kind of you know i had the wrestling in the end around in the mud it was like proper (laughs) full-on mud wrestling by the end of it but it was almost like you had to give them the permission to do it to begin with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the moment they'd entered it moment they were in the mud like and they surrendered to that point where right i'm in now i'm all in um (laughs) It was no longer just about, you know, there's a bit of mud on my trackie. They were just caked in it. Every part of them, like, you couldn't recognise their clothes. It just looked like a muddy mass. But just the Amazing. joy, just the level of joy, like the happiness that came through it and, and just mm-hmm. the belly laugh to everything that comes through that process, you suddenly see, oh, wow, that's, it is, it just comes through that reconnection. I wonder, yeah, I guess it'd be interesting to see the studies around farming, wouldn't it, whether, you know, statistically, whether as regenerative practices are coming in, how that health and well-being of the farming community improves. Absolutely. Um, and then what that means that goes into the figure. I honestly believe that, you know, it's like when I'm, if you, if, you, if you have a foraged or you understand digestion, it's like, right, you make a connection to the food mm-hmm. and then it already is stimulating the digestive system. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that, and then that whole system then is supported by just you feeling and sensing and smelling and, all the senses um, mm. coming alive. And we listened to, there's a, there's a farming community called um, Casita Verde, which is in Ibiza. We were living mm-hmm. there. And there's, mm-hmm. per, I think they're permaculture now. Mm-hmm. And their conversation, I'm sure, was around even the farming, like urinating on the land and all of that <laughs> going into the soil, that their DNA is actually in the soil. You know, mm-hmm. everything is in there, in that process. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, on a like philosophical level, um, I actually I had an experience <laughs> uh, with a lady called Mama D. Um, Mama D. Mama D. She's an amazing, amazing woman, um, a black woman, a black mama. Really, she really is has a strong, uh, beautiful energy, mm. and she did this experience. Um, it was uh, near, on a farm near Glastonbury, actually, and she gave us each like a role in the woodland community. So I was lichen and she took us into this little forest and we each had to like take on the role of the, the whatever we'd been given. So I was lichen. So I spent a lot of time at the bottom of a tree, um, just sitting there oh, wow. being, being in the forest. And then, and then the story, she kind of was telling us the story of the, the woodland. And then there was basically an apocalyptic event and we all died um and we lived through that death and and we were kind of reborn as soil (laughs) and it was in that moment that i like really connected to realizing that you know ashes to ashes dust to dust like 
we come from the soil and we will return to the soil. Yeah. Um, and that I felt a huge like sense of relief in that um, uh, and a sort of beauty in the idea that my body would decompose and become soil. Like, oh, it's really romantic, isn't it? it it's... And it's, it's like, it's sort of a holding, you know, if you're not religious and you don't have any beliefs around uh, afterlife or anything like that, it's like that the soil is your, your, your holding place. I, I don't know. I really well, like it is that. it. Well, it goes back in. I guess it goes back into that that fungal network, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. imagine, imagine what's being communicated in that. You know, totally. it's like, um, yeah, you want to go um, ashes. You want to go ashes to soil, really, don't you? Rather than, um, <laughs> <laughs> rather than dirt. Yeah, yeah, totally, dust. definitely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I think yeah. There is definitely a lot of beauty to soil that we just don't realize um or we haven't been told about maybe is the better way to say it well as, as well these conversations like this again it's, it's opening it up isn't it mm -hmm. um because i think you know we've got to the ground level at least we're talking about grounding and mm -hmm. being barefoot and i always discuss like the the sensory input because we're um these sensorial beings right so mm -hmm. as but naked as you can possibly be to the elements means that your senses are constantly alive. And to be sensory deprived means that neurologically and physiologically, um, we're starving, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then if we go, if we're, we're talking about going deeper than that, really going into it, then we're looking at not just the microbiome contact with the skin. We're looking at a network. I mean, it's very powerful. This is like, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, almost getting to consciousness, isn't it? Absolutely. Within the soil, within that network. Yeah, and I think that is the realization of regenerative farming. In a sense, that's hitting the nail on the head is that for the last 60 to 80 years, maybe longer, you know, we've thought that we were the consciousness in farming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that yeah. We, we were the decision makers and that we were gonna control everything. Um, I, I, I. <laughs> yes, ego, ego, ego. Um, and the realization that, oh, whoa, the consciousness is so embedded in the, in the soil and the plants and, and the whole ecosystem. Um, and we're just a mere kind of, uh, you know, part of that. So we're part of that kind of ongoing ecosystem interaction. And, and where, do we, where can we place ourselves and how can we help with it? Um, and guide it in a direction maybe that we want it to go in, but keep the humility and recognizing that the consciousness lays everywhere else as well, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah, I always, I had this, I, I, I wrote about it saying that consciousness is like one of the most pain, patient yet resi re, um, not resilient, um, most patient, relentless there we go mm -hmm. <laughs> teachers teachers you know wise teachers that mm -hmm. you know we we keep going at something keep going and there'll be subtle subtle messages no you need no no nearly there nearly there nearly there <laughs> you know <laughs> and then we have to go through this whole sometimes terrible process to get to something but we finally get there yeah and this this is one of those conversations where it feels like that and and it's on the path of rewilding, isn't it? Because far, mm. far, if you think about the, the, it's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it? Because if you think about, we went from wild and then farming was kind of the closing, that going into agriculture kind of meant that we were no longer a wild being. 
Mm-hmm. So, do, do, so do you view like that regenerative process as on the path to rewilding or is yeah yeah, yeah i think trying well, to get the farm or in something that is more the wild state which as you say would then be like the consciousness where it takes more care of itself and less human intervention exactly exactly and i think yeah, it's about less human intervention. It's not about no human intervention because I, I do think that, you know... There's a custodian and, level to it. And there is in the yeah, rainforest, isn't there? Like the tribes exactly. are responsible and, for the rainforest. Well, and not just that. Like part of rewilding yourself is recognizing that you are part of the wild, right? Yeah, you are like, nature. You are it. So yeah. it, this isn't about taking humans out of the picture because we are the destroyers and the destructive force inherently. Mm. We are part of the ecosystem. We're part of the wild. And this is about, okay, let's, let's get back to a system where the humans are more in balance with everything else that's part of the wild, rather than this kind of dictator um, ego that's just trying to control everything for only our own needs, which is essentially an extractive system. Yeah, so Um, it's that harmonious interdependence Exactly. Re-establishing that. Exactly. That we have a significant role within it, but we're not separate of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's part of us. And um, I think just to be clear, like there is a rewilding movement in the farming sector. Yeah. I don't know how much you've seen that, but, um, you know, it's quite controversial in some ways because um, some proponents of rewilding do consider it more about that the humans are the destroyers and that we should Mm. just completely remove ourselves from those landscapes. Um, And I think what concerns me a little bit about that is that the idea then is that you would produce food in very kind of uh, intensive areas of land using the old or this chemical paradigm essentially. Leading and to, to more destruction and de- yeah, exactly. deprivation, <laughs> degradation. <laughs> exactly, and, and, and ignoring all the natural systems. And I and think then, that's and, and just then leading weird. to leading to further human suffering, which then disconnects us from being well being. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like what yeah. you know, how are you going to have any nutritional quality in that food in the long term? Um, and it just it doesn't make any sense to me. And you know, some of what, for example, George Mombio says. Um, you know, he, he had that program recently where he was advocating for food grown in the lab. Yeah, they um, actually grown food. Yeah. Yeah. Been, yeah. And I just, I, it's from like, if we think of the soil and the complexity of it and the microbiome and the complexity of it, it just doesn't make sense to me that we should uh, try and feed ourselves from a lab. Because <laughs> I can almost guarantee we have missed a key point there. Well, um, it's almost like those, you know, when you see the, 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 the text afterwards, it always reads, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> when you, when we, it's like going right back into that breast milk conversation about laboratory breast yes. milk. Because I know for some mothers, they'll be like, oh, yeah, brilliant means I don't have to give my child formula. But again, we're losing sight of, and in some cases, yes, that has to be the case. I get that. but Of course we're losing sight of all well, there's there's it's, there's more to that there's the microbiome that's being fed through the breast milk there's only there's specific 
um, properties in breast milk that only feed the bifidobacterium of the baby's gut. It doesn't have any mm -hmm. other need for the baby. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't fit any other need other than the microbiome. And then we're talking about the fungal network, what that has for our system, not just on a microbiome level, but I guess it's feeding multiple systems. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. what that's gaining from the food. Again, yeah, again, what could possibly go wrong? With <laughs> <I mean>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I mean, I, um, I was a bit yeah. flabbergasted by I, him. I couldn't understand why he's suddenly taken that, taken that stance. I, don't, I haven't got there yet. I don't really understand that enough, yeah, really. Yeah, I think... I think he's just trying to take an extreme stance in some ways, but um, I think the problem is, is that, you know, I think many of his ideas are brilliant. Yes, yes. That we should absolutely, absolutely be bringing more um, wildness to farms. And I think, you know, most farmers agree with that. Um, but like it's, you know, what he's advocating for is what we call lamb sparing. So, um, allowing land to to be completely wild um, and then just uh, our human destruction is created in isolated spaces whereas you know what I'm more pro is what they call land sharing mm. um, and land sharing is about how can we bring this wildness to our farming systems um, and have humans be part of that like we just discussed and and that's really what regenerative agriculture is about yeah it's about you know bringing the diversity, encouraging the insects, working with all the insects and these different uh, fungal systems to clean water on the farms, to store water on the farms, um, to uh, create nutritious food, and also to even sequester carbon is you know, one of the positive outcomes of mm. taking the more regenerative route in farming. Yeah, because otherwise, it, you know, again, it's not ticking the box of um, diversity. It's ticking a box of divide, isn't it? It's like we're trying to separate ourselves even further from nature if we say that, okay, we, 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 we don't create one system where we can mm -hmm. all coexist within it. Mm -hmm. It's, again, that, e that ego again. That, oh, well, we can, we can do it this Agreed. way. We can grow laboratory meat and we can... Again, it's kind of stamping our authority over nature again, instead of connecting with the fact that we simply are it, you know? I completely. I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, it's, it's also, it's sort of weirdly, it's a worship of nature that can lead you there. Yeah. Um, because if you see nature as other um, and the environment as other um, and you worship it to the point where you only see human beings as the destructive force on the earth mm. that's when you start to think that that's a good idea yeah um so yeah i'm definitely always moving away from that perspective yeah um, it involves a lot of inner work again well as well doesn't it like the inner work comes in that i always say that you know working with things like breath and dismantling or deconstructing old paradigms and language has to come in as well i feel within the process of reconnecting to being nature and on that Absolutely. note i mean that the inner work is also in working in the soil right getting in getting your hands dirty and getting in the environment and that mm -hmm. might mean as you're saying simple it could be simply gardening it could be a few pots on your terrace it could be anything still making that connection it's still nice example i had the guys at the weekend um 
I just said find 10 things in, go, no, I said go into the Heath, and I want you to find an area that really resonates, where you feel like you're really drawn to, I need to be there. And then mm -hmm. I just want you to pause for a moment and then find 10 things that you're drawn to. And I want you to build a little structure, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you just sit and then you just meditate or breathe. I just did breath work. I said 40 cycles of breath, that's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just amazing watching the kind of the, how quickly they downregulated and, be, and became part of that environment. Like so Absolutely. enthralled in what they were doing, you know? So again, that's just taking it back, getting it into the earth and, and not seeing ourselves as separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's, um, I heard about this coach, uh, farmer coach, or he used to be an agronomist, so uh, advising farmers on what they should be uh, doing on their land. Um, mm. And then he became a coach. Uh, he's based in Canada. Um, yeah. And he said that, you know, he really realized that the first thing he needed to do to help farmers change was actually to just have them meditate for 15 minutes a day. So meditate in the broadest sense of the word, i.e. stop, look around at all the nature around them and just breathe. Inhale and just, it. Yeah, <laughs> just experience it. Because as with all aspects of modern life, one of the things that happens on the farm is you get drawn into the hamster wheel of doing. Yeah. Um, and you, you forget to just stop and to take in where you are. Um, and to reconnect with who you are as a human being. And that is so important for, you know, if you want to have a healthy farm, you need to build uh, yourself to be a healthy human being as well. Because we are a human being, Abby, not a human doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up soon. But um, what... I mean, what other than buying food, of course, to support, mm -hmm. what, what can we as in, the individual be doing to support soil regeneration, the movement, let's say? Mm -hmm. Well, I was just to thinking... To get behind it, what can we be doing? Yeah, so I was thinking, if you are interested in kind of soil and experimenting with soil and you do happen to have garden space, then a good person to look up online is actually a, a guy called Charles Dowding. Charles um, Dowding. And he's, he's the proponent of no-dig gardening um, and no dig gardening is kind of at the core of building soil health in your garden because as soon as you start to dig you or as soon as you start to turn soil you break all the fungal networks and then you'll you'll yeah. have real trouble um, so, that's so, like till, yeah. so that's like the tilling process exactly exactly yeah. so yeah if you watch some of his videos about how to garden effectively for your soil that can really help you get started um in terms of like food and buying um i mean you know i've one way is to start to move away from supermarkets essentially um so you know maybe you could just choose one type of food that you're buying i don't know maybe most people you work with are already not buying in supermarkets but um for example um, meat or pulses, you know, you could start buying all of your pulses from Hodmadods. Um, okay. I don't know if you've heard of Hodmadods. No, I've been using Forest Whole Foods, which you've kind of been ordering from there. But um, Oh, okay. Well, I'll, be I don't I'll be grateful of any recommendations. I'll put, I'll put them in the show notes as well. We can have that in there. So that's great. Okay, yeah. So Hodmadods, they specifically are working to build regenerative practices into farming around the UK and to build yeah. a market for pulses so that okay. you know, farmers in the UK can grow pulses, uh, build soil health and have a, a good market for that. 
So the, they're a good one to buy pulses from. Um, and they also do flower. So you can get this really brilliant uh, uh, pop, uh, wheat from them that is actually a really diverse wheat. Okay. Um, so that's called YQ or yeah. Um, you should, if you listen to the serial series, you'll understand yeah. everything, everything about YQ by the end of it. And then a certain, I don't know, um, in terms of meat, um, there's people like the ethical butcher online. Um, there's something called pasture for life. Maybe you already know about them. Um, uh, I know there's green, I think there's green pastures that might be the same people and they're, they're, they're looking at um, grass fed to grass slaughter. And I think you mm. can go to the farm oh, cool. and, and visit. Cool. Um, well, and yeah. then, there's the, then there's the wild community around, uh, around meats, isn't there? Yeah, um, totally. Like the wild meat company and people like that, that are going back into that. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I would say about Pasture for Life is it's a, it's a farmer led organization and they're basically some of the most pioneering farmers in the UK. Um, and they're really yeah. pushing the bounds of regenerative farming. Yeah. Um, and so if you go on the Pasture for Life website, it shows you all the different farmers that are part of their group. And then you could go, you know, if there's a farmer near you, you could go visit them and have a conversation. And you can also start to, if you do want to buy any meat products, you can buy them from them. Um, and yeah. then you can know when you're eating the meat that is actually like potentially even carbon positive in the sense that the a lot of those farms are showing that they can actually sequester more carbon than they produce. Yes, yeah, so sorry, we didn't cut, cover this. Can we go into this? That's, 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 sure. this so that's holistic management, isn't it? Where you yeah. move yeah, yeah, exactly. the ruminants around the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, basically, there's many different names for it. One's holistic management. Um, and, what, and many pasture for life farmers are doing this. And what they do is they have their animals together um, in herds um, and, and they do it, you know, it's, it's replicating the, the way animals uh, existed on the savannas um, and, yeah. and really it was kind of Ellen Savory um, who, of the Savory Institute who had this insight, which is that, you know, on the savannas, animals, they group together in herd, herds for safety and then they move on all the time. Yeah. And so the way that the vegetation has evolved and the way grasses have evolved is to have this kind of intensive eating period of many animals on in one place and then to be rested for, you know, a month, two months, maybe three months before those animals return again. Mm. And so that what they found is that when you graze in that way, so um, you actually start to really build your soil health and your soil carbon um, because the plants, they, when they're eaten down to a certain level um, and then left for a long time, it increases, they, they photosynthesize more and they put more carbon into the soil. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I heard the, the addition to that is that the, like you, there is, is if the farmer takes on the role of like what would be the apex predator to herd them into that position. Mm -hmm, that's right. And so that's and what then, happens. And then they poop and they pee and they stamp all that into the ground. Exactly. In that one area, so that's the fertilizer coming. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, again, it's like understanding that as a simple system, right? Mm-hmm. It is so simple. Um, 
yeah, and many farmers are doing, they use electric fencing to, you know, keep the animals into a very uh, a herd like area and then they move them regularly. Yeah. Um, so also, I mean, the other side of it is that animals, you know, if they're not put on the same bit of grass again, like particularly sheep for a while, they don't get parasites. You don't need to worm them. There's all mm. like, they don't need antibiotics often because they don't get the same disease pressures. So like there's a whole host of other benefits that farmers are finding. So the that, health and well-being again of the animals. Yeah, of the animals. Exactly. So it's yeah, it is it. huge. Really important. Um, it really is. Yeah. It's exciting. So yeah, it, in terms of what people can do, um, buying from animals grown in those systems is is really important, I would say. Yeah. So is there <clears throat> So say with this new, um, new is it new legislation that's changing now because of the EU? Yeah. I mean, yep. how how do we is, is is there a way that we can we can um, support this with the farmers? Because again, as I say, we I'm I mean only because we're with Riverfoot that we actually heard anything about this being a bill being passed or looking to oh, be passed. Yeah. That's the only time I heard about it. So, um, and we're not going to pick up on it in mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Where, so, is there where do people turn to? Where do they go to, and how and how can they get? Do do you aware of how we can get involved in that? Yeah. So I mean, there is like um, an organization called Sustain, um, and they are real. They're really good for lobbying for better food um, and better farming. And so if you follow Sustain, they will always be sharing of like the the policy that they you know they're always sharing sharing different um, petitions or change.org. Uh, uh, campaigns that we should sign yeah. um, and certainly right now I guess the thing to be watching and the whole farming community is worried about this is that as new trade deals happen um, and obviously the current government seemed to very keen on a trade deal with the United States mm. um, what's really in question is the quality of the food imports that are going to be allowed in and yeah. very much the farming community here in the UK are pushing for um, that only food that is produced to this, the standards we already have in the UK should be allowed to be brought into the UK, which was how it was when we were in the EU. Yeah. However, uh, they, they tried to get that put into law in the um, agricultural bill um, yeah. and it was voted down. So now, you know, we need to keep our eyes and ears open as the trade bills or as trade negotiations happen, that we really rally to ensure that, you know, the government knows that people are not up for lower quality food in this country. Yeah. Um, and so we need to have the voice, our voices heard about that. Um, and then the only other thing to mention that is currently in debate um, after leaving the EU is also about GM foods and, and growing genetically modified crops in this country yeah. um, or genetically altered crops. And certainly that's, you know, that's, there's a divide on that in the farming community. Um, and at the moment, it seems like the NFU, the National Farmers Union is trying to, or is supporting legislation that would allow for that to be grown in the UK. Um, and I certainly am not pro that 
mainly because to me that's more of this monoculture idea like yeah if you're genetically modifying seeds that means that you're then replicating them and so you're just putting lots of the same genetic uh information into the field um and so it's just more of this monoculture system and that's what we're trying to move away from not towards so yeah so those yeah, are the two things that are very practices yeah yeah absolutely okay so, so that's sustained so sustain yeah they're lobbying for better food and we 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 as an individual can look at that and yeah and, and, and sustain help support, and, perhaps yes exactly and sustainable food trust um is another one that's good to follow for this kind of information well because i often get a little bit lost in it it's like you know when you someone says okay but this is happening and this happening this happening and Riverford was a classic example of that. And I, I read the whole thing that was like, well, well now what, what do we do? Mm -hmm. you, know, it's, it's, you know, how do we help and how do we support this? And how do we support the farmer? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of, that feels like that's missing from the, from the conversation, you know? Totally agreed. And I think another thing is just, you know, many farms do have like uh, holiday places on their farm. They'll have like converted a barn. Mm. Um, so if you are able, to you know going and staying on a farm it's a really nice way to engage and to learn what's really happening out in the fields of the united kingdom and, and how you can be involved in that yeah so that's another nice way in other than just you know buying from farmers direct where you can and i think yeah. you know obviously riverford they offer a great service of good quality organic vegetables being delivered. And I mean, you know, they are a great farming organization. Yeah, Definitely. are there, <clears throat> is there almost like a register of um, regenerative farmers? There, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> I can't believe I haven't <laughs> mentioned it yet. Um, there is, um, so there's a new database. So in a response, oh, wow. to, co in response to COVID, yeah. um, there's this new database called Farms to Feed Us. Farms to feed us, there you go. Um, and so they have many different farms on there around the UK, so all over. Um, and it's a way of basically being getting in direct contact with different farmers who are growing or producing different things. Um, some of them have websites, some of them just have phone numbers. Um, and you can just go on the database and find things that are local to you or, or different people that deliver nationwide as well. Um, and that's an amazing way to really break out of uh, the, the supermarket paradigm and to really start to engage with buying direct from farmers and different producers. It's really, I think that's really exciting. And I, you know, I helped get Farms to Feed Us off the ground originally. And now it, um, the lady leading it, Kathy St. Germans, you know, she's really um, making it into a celebration of the different farmers around the country and that's so needed and so exciting it really is yeah so Absolutely. definitely check that out i'm gonna i'm gonna read you something I, I, i'm gonna read you this just to close with and see what your thoughts on this is brilliant so this is like a <clears throat> excuse me just to clear my throat as i'm about to read something um <laughs> it's really quite profound this anyway it was found in an ancient sanskrit so it's um Anyway, this is, this is, this is it. So, Upon this handful of soil, our survival depends. Husband it and it will grow our food, our fuel, our shelter and surround us with beauty. Abuse it and the soil will collapse and die, taking humanity with it. There we go. 
4,000 years old there, Abby. Wow. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think it, you know, I started out not caring a bit about soil just maybe five years ago, just seeing it as dirt. Um, and now I'm obsessed by it. <laughs> and I think that, you know, those words are absolutely spot on. And part of our journey as human beings is essentially to reconnect with that and to realize and to be humble to the fact that there are these incredibly complicated systems that we've just neglected all these years and that actually they are a source of nourishment and beauty and abundance. Yeah. The, the root of everything. Yeah. In the world. Wow. In, yeah. Thanks for sharing yeah. those words. No, no, it's so great. Good. Well, thanks for sharing your words. You've been amazing. Um, so, Abby, where can people find you? Um, yeah, so, well, check out Farmerama Radio. Yeah. Um, we're at Farmerama underscore radio on Instagram. Um, and then check out uh, vidacycle.com. Um, that's, like, more about my family's, our farm and things we're doing and also the different apps that we have. Um, and if you want to contact me directly, you can, I'm on social media. You can, I'm at Abby underscore super. Um, super. There we go. That's a long story. It's not, <laughs> it sounds like I think I'm super, but that's not why it was, <laughs> why it was created. But anyway, long story. <laughs> Another podcast perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's going to be, why is it super now? They're going to be oh, researching. No. They're going to be out there looking for you. It's um, not exciting, I think. <laughs> well, no, it's been super having you. I'm really pleased we had this conversation. And I'm, mm. and I'm sure it's going to ignite some passions in the soil for many others. I mean, mm. it, there's stuff in there that I'm just like, wow, okay. The fungal networks, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. I'm going to Totally. I am going to go and geek out over that somewhat. I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> definitely and then the next yeah. time you're in the forest you'll just have a whole new level of experience yeah everything yeah. below your feet as well well because yeah again I, I often say that you know put your ear to the ground and have a listen so that that's going to be well in well and truly at play now it's a new, yeah <laughs> love it a whole new narrative right brilliant abby super listen i i'm going to let you go you've been Great. amazing thanks thank for you sharing. so much Beautiful, beautiful work, thank you. <laughs> Boom, here's an Abby Gray. I highly recommend hitting Abby's Farnarama podcast up, so please check out the links in the show for Abby. Thanks again, peeps, and I hope to see you in the tribe.